Hello. Wow, there are a lot of girls here tonight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. How many of you guys have ever been in a sticky situation? Now, not one where you're like, oh, I need to pray because I'm going to take a test and I don't want to fail. I'm talking about one where if you had, would have had a little foresight and a little wisdom, you probably wouldn't have been in it in the first place. Anybody? <laughs> okay. I've had one experience like that. <laughs> about six years. Whoa, this mic. About six years ago, I went to Thailand, and I went just just me and another girl. And right there, you can see where this is going, right? <laughs> and yeah, we both aren't very big, so you can see also where this is going. <laughs> Very tiny people. But anyways, where we were at, there was this little cabin that the guy that we were working with owned, and he would let us go up there from time to time. And then one night, my friend and I, we got this brilliant idea that we wanted to go up there by ourselves and spend the night there. And it was called Pray Mountain, is what they said. I guess it was supposed to be Prayer Mountain, but um, they don't speak English very well in Thailand, so it's Pray Mountain. So we wanted to go up there and pray, but we wanted to go spend the night there. The problem being is it was up on this really tall hill, it was really steep, so it's kind of hard to get up there. And at that time of the year, the monsoons had just started. And it's not like here where it'll kind of rain and then get a little harder and a little harder. In Thailand, there's just an on and off switch, that's it. When it's off, it's off, and when it's on, it's on. It's pouring buckets. And so by that time, the roads were a little muddy, and we had a hard time getting up there. And we got up there, and we spent the night. And this is, you have to realize, this is way out in the middle of nowhere. So no houses, nothing. So here we are, we're spending the night, and it starts pouring down rain. And the next day, we, we get ready to leave. And the vehicle that we have is a little truck, and it is rear-wheel drive, no four-wheel drive and it does not have power steering. <laughs> and here we have to go down this really steep hill. So at times like this, it's really easy to pray for some reason. I don't know why, it just really gets easy to pray when you're in sticky situations. So here we are, we're going downhill, and it's really muddy, because there's no gravel on this road. And so we're slipping and sliding. My friend Tracy's driving, and she goes, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> And so we're praying, oh Jesus, help us get down this hill without crashing. So we finally made it down that We're like, oh, you know, whoa, got out of that, right? Well, no, wrong. <laughs> what we fail to realize is at the bottom, we have to make this really sharp turn. It's like a 90 degree turn, and the road is just barely wide enough for our little car. And on one side of the road is a hill, on the other side of the road is a rice paddy. Now, a rice paddy is never next to the road, it's down below the road, so this is like four feet down. And it's always swampy in a rice paddy because they like to keep it wet. So here we are, it's very muddy, no power steering, and we have to make this sharp turn. And what happens? We get stuck, trying to make the turn. And this, it's, it's getting pretty scary now, we're starting to pray. And so I, doing the wise thing, decided to get out and push. <laughs> like it's gonna help a lot, right? So here I am, I get out and push, and this is not happening. We just keep going closer and closer and closer to this rice paddy with our truck until finally our tire is hanging off the edge. So here we are, we're in the middle of the nowhere. 
The nearest house is probably half a mile away, but it could have been like 10 miles away because, of course, we were brilliant and there's no telephone and we don't even know where we're going. We don't know where we live. We don't know the telephone to our house. So that's a great thing of foresight for you. <laughs> so, and I don't speak Thai. My, I can get it by with hello, thank you, fried rice, and I have an older sister, which I don't. So I don't know why I learned that phrase, but that's about all I know in Thai. <laughs> so here we are, we don't speak Thai, we don't know how to get help, so we're praying. And there's this little guy, he's kind of working next to us, and so he gets over there and he starts helping us push and we're getting nowhere. And all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, I have no idea where these people come from. Ten little Thai men, they start running down the hill. And we're like, oh. <laughs> and here we are, me and her, we're like, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> even though Thai people are small, I'm still short in Thailand. Okay, so there's no way if these guys are going to do anything to me that I can fight them off. And my friend, she's taller than me, but just the same size as me, so she's not going to fight them off either. So it really gets really easy to pray at this time. So here we are, we're praying. But God did awesome things. These little time men picked up the back of the truck, turned it around, and pushed it off um, the road, or like got it off the road to where we could get back in. And we had a flat, but they had the tire to fix it. So we got the tire put back on. We were thanking them very profusely in Thai. And it's Kakun for if anybody, if you ever go to Thailand and you need to know that, that's how you say thank you. But we got out of there, and that was the end of that story. So, next time, if, if, well, if anybody ever goes to Thailand, don't go to Prairie Mountain in the middle of the monsoon. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so, it is funny how sometimes it's so easy to pray, like in those situations where just words, they just flow out of your mouth. But then other times, how many of you have felt like, Prayer is almost impossible. <laughs> like you're sitting there and you're starting to pray. You're like, oh Lord, thank you so much. Oh, I hope I can do the laundry today. I mean, yeah, I gotta be praying, you know? Like you feel like it's almost like this mind game where it takes so much discipline. And, you know, when we pray, we, a lot of us have grown up in a Christian family and so we're used to praying. And we pray by habit because that's what we're taught to do. And we were told it's, this is how you communicate with God is through prayer. But what does it really mean? Have we ever really been taught what it really means? And my prayer for you tonight is that you would leave here really understanding what prayer means and really having a huge heart for prayer and being mighty in prayer. The purpose of prayer, what is it? You know, how do we do it? And what does God say about prayer? What does he promise us will happen when we pray? So why should we pray? A lot of times we think, well, you know, God knows everything I need. We read verses like Matthew 6, 8. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So why should we pray, right? We're like, He already knows what I need. Why should I ask Him? So we know that prayer is communication, but we're like, why? Well, some of the things that I've learned is, number one, it develops our intimacy with God. And how does it do that? Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So what that means, what does it mean to pour out your heart to someone, particularly God? Well, take an example from my marriage. I'm married for those of you who don't know me. And that's my husband right there. <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> not listening to me. 
well, this is how, like, when, you first, when I first met Nate, it was all the crush great. You're like, oh, my heart is pounding, right? And you think, well, that's intimate, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Like, intimacy develops through communication. It's through sharing my ideas, my opinions, my desires, uh, my deepest secrets. When I begin to share those with Nate, what happens is it creates trust. And that's the same way it does with God. When we're pouring out our heart to God, it creates trust with God, right? You can start to see him working in your life, um, working through these various issues you might have. It develops honesty, because a lot of times we're afraid to share some of the deepest, darkest secrets that we have, or opinions or ideas, because we're afraid, well, maybe that person won't accept me, right? So sometimes we withhold that, and so we're not so intimate, and we don't have trust, or we're not so honest with that person. But if we're pouring out a heart to God, it creates honesty between me and God. I won't be afraid of God anymore, right? And it helps you understand his character. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In Psalms 37.4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord. So basically what that means is to have experienced great pleasure and joy in his presence. And that will only come through knowing him and through understanding his character. In Psalms 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So basically what that means is God is saying, Hey, taste or try me out. You'll like me a lot, I promise. So the more we know him, the more we see how good he is. And that develops through pouring out our hearts to him. So not only does prayer develop our intimacy with God, but prayer develops our character. So we've all heard the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And who doesn't want those things in their life, right? It also says in Galatians 5, 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is a really cool thought. Whenever I go to my grandpa's house, he's like the awesomest grandpa in the world. We call him, he's nicknamed Candyman Grandpa for good reason. <laughs> so, but he's an amazing, amazing man. He loves God. He's really smart. Nate and him get along well because he's a chemist and fisherman and he loves baseball. Whenever I go and talk to my grandpa, I'll sit down and the first thing he goes, well, hi there, you know, because it's like big, you know, grin on his face and he just lights up and like this little intake of breath because he's so excited that I am coming to talk to him. But I think that's the way God is. It says, in Proverbs 15, 8, the prayer of the upright pleases him. So God really likes it when we pray. He gets really excited. He's like, oh boy, they're talking to me again. This is so exciting. You know, I haven't heard from them in a week. You know? <laughs> so he really likes it. God just plain likes prayer, right? Also, through prayer, we get to be part of what God is doing. It says in James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So he, like, he shares what he's doing in this world with us. And we participate with him in that through prayer. Another thing that prayer does is it glorifies God. In John 14, 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So God's desire is that everyone on this planet would see how good he is to them. And that comes through praying and seeing him work and seeing him glorify himself. Prayer also is how we seek and find God. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So it's how you seek him. It's how you find him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you. Prayer also keeps us from temptation. 
Matthew 26:41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Because when we're praying, we're having Christ fill us and strengthen us and prevent us from falling into temptation. Prayer also meets our needs. James 4, 2b says, You do not have because you do not ask God. So basically, if we're not praying for what we need, we're striving for it for ourselves. It takes a lot of humility to ask God for what we need. Because a lot of times we're like, I can do it on my own. I don't need God's help, you know. Um, So we don't ask God for it. But God loves humility. And so he loves it when we ask for what we need. Matthew 7.11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So imagine this, if we can give good gifts to people, and love people, and, and even show respect to people, just imagine how much more God can give to all of us. You know, if we, can, if we know how to give, and we're sinful, imagine how someone who's perfect can give, right? Also, prayer gives us competence. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says, Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence from, comes from God. So a lot of times we do things and we're like, I don't know how to do this, but God will give us competence. Prayer also helps us to depend on Him. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So it helps us depend on Him. It helps us like fully trust in Him. Also, prayer... If you have any your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 63, 1-8. It says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So prayer gives us a heart that is fully his. Look, who doesn't want that kind of an attitude like David was showing there? Who doesn't want to say, oh God, your love is better than life? Because what prayer does is it unites our heart with his heart. Prayer is amazing. And we think it's amazing, but we don't really know how to do it. You know, we we pray in our head or whatever, and, and then our mind wanders, and it's frustrating. But these are some of the ways that we pray. And this is, these are the most important ways that we pray. Prayer and the Word of God are inseparable. You cannot pray effectively without understanding God's Word. And I think Andrew Murray put it best. He says, when I pray, I must seek to know God aright. It is through the word that the Holy Spirit gives me the right thoughts of him. The word will also teach me how, to re- how wretched and sinful I am. It reveals to me all the wonders that God will do for me and the strength he will give me to do his will. The word teaches me how to pray with strong desire, with a firm faith, with constant perseverance. The word teaches me not only what I am, but what I may become through God's grace. And above all, it reminds me each day that Christ is the great intercessor. It allows me to pray in his name. So basically what that's saying is how can you talk to someone if you don't take the initiative to get to know them? 
It's like a one-way conversationalist. Have you ever talked to someone that all they do is talk about themselves? How does it make you feel? You're like, boring, I can't listen anymore. You know? You don't you don't get to have a relationship with this person because they're not allowing you to share about yourself. You're not they're not allowing you to share your desires and your opinions, right? That's why one of the reasons why it's so important to know God's word and to know what he desires and to know him. So a lot of times people also treat God like he's their personal piggy bank. You're like, oh God, please make me rich with a job I like, a nice house, lots of cars, a perfect spouse, perfect kids, let me be happy forever and please take all my problems away. Of course, a lot of us, we don't pray prayers like that, but that's what we want and sometimes that's the way we treat God. So we treat him like he's our personal piggy bank, like he'll give us everything we want when we want it, right? Well, the problem is, is that a lot of people take this verse out of context. It's Mark 11:24. 24. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The problem is, is that's not what that prayer is saying. The truth is, James 4, 3, says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So God doesn't want to be abused by us, right? He has definite boundaries where he's like, you know, I don't want you to cross these. I don't want you to abuse me and use me, basically. And the reason is, is would a good parent give a child everything he wants? Well, no, because what does that produce? It produces a spoiled brat, right? So God doesn't want to give us everything we want because he wants to produce the right character in us. So what are we, how are we supposed to pray? How are we supposed to ask for needs? Well, the number one answer is you're supposed to pray according to God's will. And a lot of times people say, well, it's not God's will that, that his people should suffer or be sick or poor or needy or whatever, right? But a lot of times if we don't know God's word, we don't know the truth of that. And what is the truth? Well, Romans 8.28 says that he works everything for the good of those who love him, right? So this world is a hard place. And we're going to have hard things happen to us. So what does he do? He works all those things for our benefit. And he allows us to go through those things because it strengthens our character. In Hebrews 12, it says to endure all hardship as discipline. Because God is training us for holiness. I mean, you look at Paul. What did he say? He said, he asked God to take away this problem. And God said, no, my strength, it, my grace is sufficient for you. So God wants us to know that he is with us and he's going to provide for us. But he allows us to go through things that sometimes we don't like. And so if we don't know God's word, we won't know that this is part of his will for us. And as far as like dying goes for mourning, a lot of times people say, well, dying is a horrible thing, and it is. It's really hard to go through. And some of you in this room have gone through it. But the cool thing is, is God has meaning even in that. Right? God has a meaning for all of this. Uh, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for you will rejoice. Right? And it says, with the comfort that you receive, you're able to comfort others with. So that's a huge meaning. And also it says that God rejoices in the death of the saints. Because why? Because he gets them with him. They get to be with him. They're free. They finish the race. They're free from sin. They no longer have to deal with sin. And if you ask anyone in here who's experienced the death of a loved one, they will say, I don't ever want to go through it again. But I know also it was worth it because of the results that God did in my life and the character he produced and the good things that happened. So this is why it's important to know God's word, so we can know that in these hard times, that there's a meaning for all these things. Right? So 
Why do we pray according to his will? Well, one thing is so we can understand his heart and understand what he wants from us so that we'll be on the same page with him. It'll produce a character change in us so that way we'll want what he wants. And it will teach us to trust in him completely because we'll see prayer after prayer being answered. So John fifteen seven says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So a heart like his will receive anything. John fourteen twelve says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So a heart like his, his will want what he wants. First John five fourteen and 15, please turn there. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So, there's your answer. We can have confidence in him when we pray according to his will because we know that he'll answer it. So, not only do we need to pray according to his will, but it says that we need to be earnest in when we pray. Basically, earnestness means that we don't take a break from God. The plain way to put it is that he wants to be bothered by us. That's kind of funny because a lot of times if someone keeps nagging you and nagging you, you're like, leave me alone, leave me alone, right? But God says he wants that from us. He wants us to continually come to him. We have to pray with firm faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So why do we need faith to please God? Well, if we can't trust him, then why would we serve him? There's no purpose in it. So, basically, if we're not having faith, then we're not trusting him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So basically, you can look at that as, when you were a child, and you're going to have a birthday party, how many of you knew for a fact you were getting presents? Now, did you have the presents in your hand? <laughs> no, you didn't. But you knew where you were going to get them, because you knew your parents. And your parents always did it in the past. So you knew you were going to get them, and you couldn't wait to get them. So basically, that's faith. It's faith is being confident in God and eagerly anticipating whatever he has next for us. So just like a child waiting for their birthday present. Also, we must pray with perseverance. Luke 18.1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So does that mean that God only answers after we bother him over and over and over and over and over and over again? Well, no, it doesn't. What it does mean, Luke 18, 7 through 8 says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So basically what he wants from perseverance and prayer is a continual dependence on him and not trying to figure it out for yourself. If you're constantly praying to him, that means you're constantly putting your trust in him. He also told us how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9, 13, he says, Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what does that mean? It's kind of difficult sometimes to think, well, what does it really mean? How are we supposed to pray? Are we supposed to memorize that prayer? Well, no, it's supposed to be the rails to run on, so to speak. And the best way to remember what it means is through this acronym. It's called ACTS. A-C-T-S. That means adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Those are big words. Let's explain them. Adoration. 
Basically, it's praise. When you praise someone, you're telling of their character and their actions. And that's how you praise God, is when you're telling other people, or even himself, about the good things he's done and how great he is. So, why should we praise him? Well, if you look back in the Old Testament, here again, because I need to study God's word, you'll find that Israel forgot a lot of times what God had done for them. And what happened, they'd fall away from him. And a lot of times, if I can't see how good someone is to me, like Nate, for example, well, then I start getting a bad attitude and say, he never does anything right, or he never does anything for me, right? You just get this really bad attitude. You start getting proud. You start thinking, well, I guess I'll just have to depend on myself. Uh, Life is pretty meaningless, and, you know, I'll just go my own way. So that's usually what happens if we forget what God has done for us. So why should we praise him? What is the purpose in praising him? Now, of course... God is infinite, and I cannot describe all the ways and reasons why we should praise Him. But here are a few. So, nothing is too hard for God. So He can do everything. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, Sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power on Your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for You. He loves us and saved us. 1 John 4, 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he will help us reach maturity and character and in our walk with him. He doesn't give up on us like some people do. He'll never give up on you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Also, praise is the result of trusting him. So when we trust him, we'll automatically praise him. Hebrews 13.15 Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And the list goes on why we should praise him. So what? So now we talked about adoration. What is confession? Why do we need to confess when we're praying? Well, Psalm 66, 18 gives us the answer. It says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And it also says that in Isaiah 59, 2. So why doesn't God listen to us? Well, the reason is, is that when we harbor sin in our hearts, it makes us hard. It makes our hearts hard and we become proud. And it says that the proud have no thought for God. And so that God even opposes people who are proud, right? But gives grace to people who are humble. In 1 John 1, 5-9, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, so that's having known confessed sin, basically. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So basically, God asks that we continually be walking in the light, that we continually be confessing our sins before him and being honest and open and humble before him, so that way he can hear us, that way we do have thoughts for him. So we've talked about adoration and confession. So what is thanksgiving? Well... Philippians 4, 6 says to pray with thanksgiving. And Ephesians 5, 20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will is that we always give thanks for everything. That means every circumstance, whether it be a good circumstance or a bad circumstance, he says to give thanks for it. Why is that? Because... Romans 8, 28, he'll work everything out for the good of those who love him. So that way, everything you go through is going to have meaning. 
Everything you go through is going to have purpose. And when you can give thanks, that means your heart is in line with his, and you can understand that, and you can walk through life knowing and having peace about that. So thanksgiving and now supplication. What in the world does that word mean? That's kind of a big Christianese word. Well, it means intersection, intercession, and petition. So intercession is praying for others, and petition is praying for yourself, basically. 1 Samuel 12:23 says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So God says it's a sin when we fail to pray for others. That's a pretty crazy thing. And why is that? Well, he asks us to love others more than we love ourselves, right? To put others first and to care for others. He wants us to be outward focused, thinking about others, right? It says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Also, petition. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that cool that we can do that? How many people do you know in your life that you can do that with? But God says that you can do that with him. It says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Think about how big that is. He said that he already gave us the greatest gift that will ever be given, and that is Jesus Christ, right? And then he says, If he was able to give him up, how much more will he give to us? That's a huge statement from God. And that's in Romans 8, 31 and 32. In Ephesians 3, 12, it says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So what should our prayer life look like? It's difficult to be disciplined in prayer, right? It's almost impossible. Like, our mind always is wandering. So the cool thing is, is that when we have trouble, we have help. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So basically what that means is, when Jesus was on earth, he prayed for people, right? Well, this is cool, because now the Holy Spirit is on earth, and it says that he's praying for people like Jesus prayed for people. So the Holy Spirit is here now praying for you. So when you're struggling with your prayer life, know that, hey, somebody's always praying for you and helping you out and giving you the words that you need to pray. Also, we have Jesus' example to teach us how to, how to pray. In Luke 11, 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now the thing is, is Jesus was always praying. Always praying. So much so that the disciples noticed it, and they're like, hey, this guy, we want to know how to pray from him. Because if you think about it, in that time, everybody was praying. You had the Pharisees that were always praying. They were praying in the marketplace all the time. They were yelling out their prayers. So obviously, Jesus prayed so much, the disciples were really impressed with him. And that is when Jesus told them how to pray with acts, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. But as an example... And here's a lot of verses for you, and I'll read them really fast. And if you want to know where they are, you can come up to me, and I'll tell you. Mark 30, Mark 1, 35, Luke 5, 16, 6, um, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, chapter 9, verse 18, 28 and 29, chapter 10, 21, and John 17. So this is what Jesus did, his example. Jesus prayed in the morning. It says that he would always pray even before the sun rose. Most of the time he prayed alone. 
He prayed before making decisions. And that's hard for us to think about because Jesus was God, so why would he need to pray if he's going to make a big decision, right? Well, it says when he chose the disciples, he went off to a mountain one day, prayed all night long, and came back the next day. And then he chose the disciples. So that's a huge thought. If Jesus had to pray before making decisions, then I better pray, right? So he continually prayed during the day. A lot of times we say, well, I'll have my quiet time in the morning, and then that's when I pray. Well, Jesus, it says, often took time out, and during his busy schedule, and he'd just go off and pray, right? Even when, with a lot of people out, he modeled prayer. He prayed with others. He'd constantly take the disciples with him, and he prayed for others, and he always prayed, always prayed according to God's will. Because he and the Father were one. He had a heart for what God wanted. So prayer takes a lot of discipline, but it is well worth it. It is estimated that there are over 5,000 personal promises in the Bible. 5,000 personal promises, right? This is what you can do, what the promises are through prayer. It says that he can do more than I imagine, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, he will answer when we call and tell us amazing things. He will give us whatever we ask for in his name. He meets my material and physical needs. He gives me guidance. He meets my spiritual needs. He meets my emotional needs. That's amazing. Like, Why do we waste our time on earth trying to fulfill our needs through other people? God does this for us. I mean, if any guy were like this, he would be a girl's dream, right? <laughs> we're like, I'm marrying him, right? That's what you want. He makes like that, so... <laughs> That is amazing. And just think, we think that list is amazing. There's 5,000 more that are just like that. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't we want to be praying and knowing what these promises are and seeing them fulfilled in our life? So basically, in conclusion, prayer is more than just communicating with God about my needs. He's not just my personal piggy bank. Prayer aligns our hearts with God's heart. Prayer reveals to us the fullness of Christ's power at work with us. And here's an ending thought for you guys. I believe that it is the desire of everyone in here to be intimate with God, to know how deep His love is, to be walking daily in His will, and to accomplish great things for Him. However, I have never heard of anyone being successful in any of these things without having first been mighty in prayer.